0: Hello there, and happy new year. This is the first episode of 62. Who knew in 2021? Uh, we decided on the first show that we're going to go a little more personal than usual. Yes, there'll be some statistics. Yes, there'll be uh, you know some facts and figures, but no long-term care insurance today, no reverse mortgages, no Medicare. We're going to go personal today. Uh, with one of my closest closest friends, mentors, confidants, one of my favorite people in the world, um, uh, Mr. Peter Gelbwachs. He's going to be our only guest. And today we're going to talk about um, essentially why Peter um, and his wife, his great wife Sharon, who I've known for years, um, has decided to be one of the first people uh, to take the vaccine They're getting it at nine o'clock tomorrow morning. You know, uh, Peter does everything with statistics. He doesn't make random decisions. So we're going to find out why Peter made that decision and talk a little bit about what's going on with the vaccine. Um, And then also what we want to talk about, because it's something that uh, affected Peter's uh, life greatly and mine and so many of you and so many people around the country, is uh, going nine months or so, everybody went a little different, without being able to hug one of your children, or hug or see one of your grandchildren. Um, Yes, he did, just like we did some uh, drive-by birthday parties, and we waved. And and the first five months, I had some meetings where the kids came over and stood 20 feet away outside, Uh, I have four grandchildren. um, But not seeing them, not holding them, uh, that was rough. And I think that's had a very big effect on this country. I think uh, years from now, when COVID is a distant memory, um, we're still going to be talking about the emotional effects. Um, The fact that there have been more suicides, more depression uh, cases reported uh, through these last nine months. Uh, COVID is playing a very big part of this country, not just financial. Uh, but emotionally and intellectually. So before we bring Peter on, because it's always a ball to have him, uh, I want to thank everybody again. Last week, Ms. Diane Daniels, the founder of Medicare Nation, the number one podcast in the country. No product used for Coke. They don't send me a check. Why am I showing that? Um, the number one, med, uh, number one podcast in the country on the topic of Medicare was on. We had a great show, 60,000-plus viewers, and it's still growing. So thank you, Diane. And I want to say thank you to all our new viewers and uh, give you just a little bit of a synopsis of what 62 Who Knew is about. If this is your first time, I'm going to make it a quick one. And then get right to Mr. Peter Gelbwachs. So what is 62 Who Knew? What is our premise? Our premise is based on when you get to the age of 62 in this country, the odds say that you have more than a 50-50 chance of making it to 90. So what this show is really about is the double-edged sword, if you would, all right, of longer lifespans. Who knew at 62 you still had another 30 years to go? That's half the time that you've actually been on this planet. You still have to go. And most people, in fact, exactly 99% of this people, of the people in this great country, can't make it from 62 to 90 without some help. And that's why every week we endeavor to bring on people that can help you get From 62 to 90, 92, 95, and with our guests from the Weitzman Institute and other people in the medical field, that's soon going to be 95, 100, 105. Who knew you still had that long to go? So we do our best to bring on experts in long term care insurance, in home care, reverse mortgages. Mortgages of all type, Medicare supplemental policies, in-home care companies. We are brought on companies that specialize in travel cruises for seniors. We are brought on psychologists to talk about bringing people, you know, what happens at 62 years old when you do retire or 65? You're used to doing something every day. Now suddenly there's no reason to set the alarm clock. Many people have problems with that. We have a lot of fun on the show. What is this, John, our 89th, 90th episode? 89. Uh, We obviously started with zero viewers. We're now always between that 60, 80, maybe even 90,000 viewer per week. So obviously the topic has caught on, and we thank you all for being here. So without further ado, um, let's bring on just one of my favorite people in the world. It's one of the pleasures of having this show is being able to meet new people. And learn from them, um, but to be able to bring on friends and especially this man, um, I don't know if I'd have a TV show if it wasn't for you. I, th- I think if I listed all my national connections, if I went back to all their emails, I think it would say I was told to call you by Peter Gelbox. Um, So uh, I'm not even sure I I could be on the street with a cardboard sign, you know, that says "We'll work for mortgages." Um, <laughs> I, I could be out there on, on the Florida turnpike. Who knows if it wasn't for you? But Happy New Year, my friend. Um, this is going to be a good one, no matter how it starts. And thank you for coming.
1: Well, thank you for having me. Happy new, to, new Year to you, Mike, and to all of your viewers. And, you know, it's funny that you said that about being on the turnpike, because <laughs> you used a statistic that said that if you're 65, you have a 50-50 chance of making it to 90. And you're on your 89th show, and I think you had better than a (laughs) 50-50 chance of making it to your 90th show. But I'm not sure that I would have stopped if you were on the turnpike uh, and rolled down my window.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And gave me a mortgage? You wouldn't give me a mortgage? What would you do if you saw a mortgage person uh, on the side of the street? will work for mortgages. I'd love to see that. (laughs) Well,
1: it is my pleasure to be with you, as always. And thank you for having me on. Uh, um, this is an interesting topic that we want to talk about Absolutely. today, and that's why I agreed to do it, agreed to share some personal story. When I first did get involved in long-term care insurance some uh, many, many decades ago, uh, it was because of a personal story. It was right. because I was a caregiver for my mom at the yeah. time. It had nothing to do with my business expertise or background or in sales or anything. It had to do strictly as a caregiver or an aging parent and that uh, went on for much longer than any of us expected. And I was willing at the time, 30 years ago, to begin sharing that story, to try and help other people get to a better place, get to a better place in terms of decision-making about whether they wanted to look at long-term care insurance, buy it or not, but at least plan for the long-term care. And I think that's really a good premise for today's show about, you know, what's your plan when it comes to the, the vaccination and to dealing with covid and and how do you view it because I don't know that there is a right or wrong that's right and it's a question of of, of willing to to share these different items and and issues and ideas and see whether or not people uh, agree or disagree. We don't have anybody um, on the other side today necessarily that that's going to so I'll try and play both sides
0: of this issue as much as possible. So being schiz- <laughs> having multiple personalities is gonna help you in this particular case. Right, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you and Sharon, um, your lovely wife, uh, have an appointment tomorrow at nine in the morning to get the vaccine. I mean, let's face it, there's a few different groups. There are people going, I'm not getting it. It's all a farce. I don't even want to talk about those people. That's ridiculous. There are people like me. I'm 62. I have certain risk factors, but I've decided I'm going to wait three to six months to see um, other people's reaction. And then there are people that are going, I want it as quick as possible. Uh, So I'm going to first ask you. You know, what factors were involved in your decision making process to say, because you're one of the first, you know, non first responders that I know in life that are getting it. So um, what what how did you and Sharon arrive at that decision?
1: Okay, I don't want to start out by being objectionable with you, but um, we are in an initial group of over age 65 in Florida but I'm not one of the first ones. Believe me, there's oh. been tens of thousands of people over the last week uh, that have gotten it besides the first responders. I didn't know that. And okay. how do I know that? Because every line that we called starting last Wednesday was filled up um, with, they, we're already maxing out on their appointments. So we are a full week behind some others. Now, does that put us in front of a lot of other people? Yes, it does, because we we were lucky enough to be, dialing for dollars, so to speak. Here we were on the phone, Sharon and I, uh, last week when the lines opened up in Broward County, um, and we actually made a 1,000 dials and redials over one day and just happened to get lucky enough to get an appointment um, Mm -hmm. and be eligible. I don't agree with every single thing that Governor DeSantis uh, does and says, but I do happen to be 100% in agreement with him on this issue about prioritizing seniors not just because I'm a senior at 74 or that Sharon at 71 with a suppressed immune system should be you know, put in the front of any line. But um, I do believe that he's making a lot of sense when he talks about prioritizing the senior group, which by the way in Florida is somewhere around 4.2 or 4.3 million people that are living in Florida that are 65 or over. And he decided to go on his own uh, decision-making versus the CDC recommendations of 75 and over using uh, the thinking process of saying that he saw a 73 or 74-year-old at greater risk than a 20-year-old working at a convenience store that may be considered um, uh, in in other cases as a higher priority on the list. So um, he did that based on a statistic, and the statistic that we all should know is that 82% of the people that are dying in this country, and we have now uh, somewhere in the range of 350,000 people or more, and heading towards 400, unfortunately, 400,000 very quickly. um, 82% of that group is uh, are people that are 65 and over, Mm -hmm. and uh, by comparison to the bulk of people, 99% of the folks that are the younger group, particularly the much younger group. That, that are hardly impacted in most cases, mm. even though there are examples. And I've heard one within the, in the last hour of, of about an 18-year-old and a 19-year-old that got pretty sick uh, with COVID right. and one that was isolated in her home for, for a month and now has lost all sense of taste uh, for the last three months. So um, we made a decision that began, and I don't want to belabor it, but it began back in February and March and you mentioned the name the Weitzman Institute of Science and yes I did bring you to those folks who, who I've been uh, following and part of and involved in uh, in a number of different ways over the last 15 years. Uh, brilliant scientists over in Israel um, and they converted 60 some odd labs to COVID uh, vaccine labs. So I began the process of listening and interacting with and, and paying close attention to what they were doing over in Israel with these different various labs, and then also attending and going on Zoom calls with Johns Hopkins and other institutions about their positioning, and then just following this whole line for the last eight, nine, ten months, right. like a, a number of us have done. I don't I don't know that I want to call myself a news junkie, but Staying in the loop, so to speak, with the different opinions and different um, institutions, particularly following the science more than the politics of this and uh, based on my living a life of minimizing risk, um, I guess that's one of the reasons <laughs> what that motivated me to become an insurance guy fifty two right. years mm-hmm. ago mm-hmm. about you know, how you how you deal with risk and how do you how do you minimize a, a risk of this kind and um Marjorie and Julie, our two daughters, are home if they are watching, or when they watch the recorded version of this, will be laughing because I brought them up with the whole idea of minimizing risk. How do you minimize risk in this mm-hmm. particular situation? I looked at it very personally, and this said no statement about other people making a decision right. not to follow It's not a guideline. It's just my opinion, our, our decision. You asked me about how did we personally come to this conclusion? That's right. And the way we came to it is first listening to all the scientists, listening and reading all the news, and then being a part of the group that paid close attention to the vaccines that were developed, uh, the Pfizer and Moderna, and, and, the, and the other three companies that are in the process of the final stage three developments of, of the vaccine. And, and deciding very clearly that there was risk in taking the vaccine, but mm-hmm. that we felt that the risk was dramatically lower in doing so uh, than not taking it at our age and, and Sharon's condition. Um, and th- what you mentioned earlier when you opened up about the emotional side of it yes. had some factor also. Because we do have eight grandchildren and most of them live locally and our daughters live locally, and the fact that we were Deciding to be extremely conservative, more so than anybody else we know, probably, um, in the way we were acting about avoiding uh, uh, the whole issue of possibly catching COVID, um, put us, even though we have the blessings of a beautiful home environment, um, that played a, a, a percentage. I don't know what percentage exactly, but it certainly played into our decision about not wanting to wait and not cutting it's short and saying at the end of six months, I can't do it anymore. I know people like yourself and others that just got to a point, we all have a breaking point. We all have this maximum point that we can deal with of toleration and then, you know, we just decide to go forward. And in my case, we decided not to do that. And we decided to have high hopes for a vaccination Sooner than later, it is actually coming to us a little bit sooner than we had hoped. Even absolutely, we did expect to get it on January fifth. We thought we were going to be in the group in February or March, um, once the 75 and over group was taken care of. But then, when when the governor lowered it to 65, we decided to see if we could be part of that group, and we're very fortunate to be able to get that vaccine tomorrow morning. So we measured and compared the risk of taking a vaccine versus not taking one. And we thought that it was a much higher risk for us at our age and in our situation, that if we were to get COVID, that we either wouldn't survive it or that we would be in a long haul uh, uh, group or that it would be a lot of suffering and the possibilities of the impact of your heart of your kidneys, of your other systems.
0: Your lungs, especially.
1: And then we looked at how many people were suffering consequences, even though it is relatively early on, keeping in mind that the people in the trials were done months ago, and there were thousands. There were you know, yeah. 40,000 in one, 30,000, 80,000 people that were in the trials from, from Moderna and Pfizer, with very few having significant side effects, nobody dying, and very small percentage of people having any real significant... Um, we 're not allergic, so we we weren 't worried about you know that you know, needing an EpiPen to help us, even though that 's possible. Right. We just uh, the risk there was was minimal, and we are going to a facility that has those emergency services available so so we looked at all of these factors and said, okay um, we 're going to go forward with it, and yet we understand why some people, including people that are very close to us, are hesitating. Um, to do so, I think there's more than a couple of groups, though. I think there's your group. that's the wait-and-see group, which is let's wait another three months, another six months. We'll have 50 million people, 100 million people, 75 million people that will have taken these vaccines and had the second <clears throat> shots. On Johnson & Johnson, they only need one shot. Um, but on Pfizer and Moderna, as you know, needs two shots. And, and the,
0: right. the people
1: that are getting the second shots are first now getting those this week. For the most part and in the weeks to come so for some people it may be a lot smarter to just wait um, as opposed to not taking it at all i could easily accept that from people that have uh, a high or a low tolerance for a vaccine that have had complications or that you know I- i'm talking strictly as a non-medical obviously right a non-medical person Um, But there are a lot of good reasons why a percentage of the population uh, doesn't uh, go forward with a vaccine or at least puts it off for six months to a year. I'm just hoping and praying that the people that choose not to get it are not the same group that choose to not wear masks, that choose to not socially distance, that choose to not participate in how to lower the risk other than taking a vaccine. See, and that's the unknown.
0: And you're bringing up something that's very, very sensitive because um, I think you're going into morality as much as you are technology. I mean, I, I want to wait three to six months. I actually have friends. <clears throat> I don't agree with them. The whole thing's a farce. It's been blown. It's, it's just like the flu. I don't even want to get into that. Um, but if you're going to make that decision, or even a person like me to wait three to six months. I don't go anywhere without a mask. I do eat in a few restaurants, but I eat outside, six feet away from people. Um, I'm going to be respectful that this is a real risk. you know, So no, you're not going to make me take a vaccine, but I don't want to force my decision. On everybody in Publix. I don't want to force my decision on everybody in the sushi restaurant that I'm sitting six feet away from. So, yeah, now we're, and that, and anytime we depend, God, I hate to say this, but I am going to say it. Anytime we depend on the intelligence and integrity, you know, of the average Joe Blow walking the street, that worries me. Um, it's like the people that say they don't want to give their children vaccinations. I can respect that. I think it's wrong, but when you send those non-vaccinated kids into preschool and kindergarten and other kids get sick before, you know, because of that, that's not right. That's not your, that's not your American right of choice. You're only supposed to be able to affect you, you and yours. So you bring up a staggering point of, I hope this group that doesn't do it shows some self-control and some respect for those around them.
1: Well, again, to just be brutally direct and honest. For the most part, they're not. So we have a large percentage of the population. I don't know that they're non-believers, but that have turned this into a whole political arena, yeah. a whole political circus. And it's really unfortunate that that mask wearing became a political statement. I mean, I understand that there was confusion in the beginning and that we were told not to wear masks and then we were told to wear masks. Yep. but this, yeah. And I'm not going to go down that path because we don't want to spend a lot of time doing that. But uh, there was reason for that, a good reason. Um, And, you know, now the question just is, you know, you know me for years. So I'm probably center, more center left than center right. Um, I tend Mm -hmm. to be socially liberal. um, (laughs) But, but, um, you know, the... I'm I'm that way until you're impacting my life. And that's what you're talking about.
0: That's exactly right. So
1: I'm accepting of whatever you want to do for yourself. And however you want to impact your life, because I don't have any better answer. I don't have any more knowledge than than someone else. Okay. Um, So the question is, though, is your decision, and this is what you were talking about, Mike, is your decision going to impact my decision on how I live my life? Is your decision gonna keep me out of the restaurant or out of Publix or out of come, you know, taking a, a road trip or getting on a plane? And unfortunately, the answer to that right now is yes. So in order to, to deal with that, that was even more so my reason for getting a vaccination than missing my family as I do terribly and as Sharon does terribly. Um, and that I, I can't depend on other people to do what I consider to be the right thing. So for me to get myself into a more liberal-minded position when it comes to COVID, I feel like we need to get fully vaccinated, take whatever minimal risk there is involved in doing so, so that we can go back to some form of normalcy on our way to hopefully a full normal six months, nine months, a year from now. None of us know the, the answer to that. Um, But at least begin the process of getting back to a a real visit or unlike you, I have not been to a restaurant. I haven't been to Publix. We get our food delivered to our front door. Um, We haven't allowed anybody in our home for the last 10 months. Anyone. Mm -hmm. I paid my cleaning lady to stay away and go to someone else's house. (laughs) I became the cleaning lady and and and, which is fine because I needed activity anyway and. You know, I'm proving out to be a decent cleaning lady. You know, so and you, you
0: know. look and you look good in that outfit, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> um, but so so we decided the sooner we could get the vaccine uh, from our standpoint, uh, it made more sense so that maybe we would venture out. I have a new car sitting in my garage that's got a couple hundred miles on it and it's nine months old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know, we're we're not really venturing into into anything. We do some visits outside, like you said, yeah. on our driveway or in our backyard. Fortunately we have a beautiful backyard and we can separate by twenty five feet from our kids and grandchildren and and still be comfortable enough. I'm getting more hoarse these days from on my voice, from raising my voice every time I'm speaking, either through a mask or in twenty five or thirty feet away. Yes. But I have nothing to complain about. We are very, very consider ourselves very blessed, consider ourselves very lucky to be in a position that we're in and, and to be able to, uh, to to make this decision and, and to have gotten to this point in our lives. Um, And again, I I do want to address that a little bit just for a minute or two. And that's the so-called twilight of your life or the last quarter of your life, or however you want to categorize this, this group, particularly of those of us that are now in our seventies, I lost six, Close people to me this year, and only one of them from what we believe was COVID, because he was never tested. Four relatives and two very close friends, ranging in age from 61 to 91. And in doing so, it's really a stark realization for me. Mm-hmm. It's a, a real reality check about how fragile life is, and how you want to enjoy every minute, and you want to be able to to not miss on the building of memories and on the opportunity for for us to share with our loved ones and our friends and family and we had to make that decision were we willing to give up this year in order to hopefully get five ten or fifteen more years on the other side
0: or a lot more uh, than that hopefully
1: well you know i got a 50 50 chance according to you now that i'm in my seventies, right. 90. So, so maybe that's 16 years, maybe a little bit more. I don't know, but I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a year or, or, or 20 years, but we, we made a decision that we weighed every factor, like what you're talking about and said to us, it made sense. We were going to back off from society uh, as, as, as much as we needed to to, to stay safe. And, and then hopefully, open up as quickly as we can and and in the process of doing that we also made some plans about travel not by plane and by cruise ship uh, in my case but by by car up to our place in mag in maggie valley north carolina and hopefully to our our home if it's not sold up in stockbridge massachusetts for mm-hmm. a, good, a good number of months over the summer yeah We're, i'm not sure that if that i'm going to get
0: on a cruise ship for a very long time and I well, would
1: over. be very upset to hear you say that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and 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 you might and you might want to interview Julie yeah. uh, about because she's on every single day talking with every cruise ship uh, you know, uh, owner and their and their staff and management about what those ships are doing, what those companies are doing to prepare properly for travel, just like the airlines or what they're doing and their position it might be an interesting call for
0: you. Yes, to absolutely.
1: With someone that has that level of expertise about because she's on a Zoom call virtually every single day about what's taking place in the cruise industry and she is starting to see an uptick in people that are now particularly in the senior group that are now getting these vaccines this month and next and planning to travel over the summer and beyond. So, I think that that would be an
0: interesting no, there's no doubt. Now, I also just learned uh, just a few days ago um, when my ex-wife, who works in the Veterans Administration, and she's considered front line, so she got the shot last week. Um, I didn't know this, and I'm almost ashamed to say it, but she had a sign a disclaimer. You said you were well aware of this, that this uh, vaccine is not, quote, fully approved by the FDA, but is approved for emergency situations like what we're in now
1: now that's an EUA right it's an emergency use authorization
0: that's a little spooky to me I mean you know they're actually saying you take we're not taking responsibility for what this does that's and I'm not please I'm not trying to all our great listeners viewers I'm not trying to scare anybody out of taking the shot we all have our own opinion but that's a little spooky when you get a vaccination and you have to sign something that says you're not holding the the manufacturer of that vaccination uh, responsible for growing a third eye or something like that
1: (laughs) so okay um i totally agree it would be a valid reason why a group of people might decide to wait Mm mm-hmm Spend another three months, another six months, another nine months until a, a full authorization takes place, as opposed to utilizing emergency use. However, if you look at the statistics—not about the non-believers—but if you look at the statistics of how many people are dying per day right now, and we're we're pushing four thousand per day,
0: mm-hmm. and how
1: many people are being hospitalized right now, and we're pushing one hundred and twenty-five thousand people on any given day. Uh, being in the hospital and and if you looking at at areas of the country that are 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 10 15 20 and 25 percent positivity rates like south florida but even more so la county and then you're listening and watching the interviews of the nursing and doctors and medical staff that are so overwhelmed that they're literally breaking down and crying during most of the interviews that are taking place on TV and it's not for show, because they're just so emotionally and physically drained from, and now they're having to deal with parking lots and using chapels and using gift shops to, to house patients that are coming in. And you look at that overflow that's taking place that we don't have anything other than the possible, in my mind, the military involvement, maybe even more so than National Guard, Of setting up the ability to service that many people that are getting sick this is going to be the worst month in the history of the united states for illness and death from from a pandemic ever
0: yes no doubt in my mind about that
1: so if you're looking at that and saying okay how do we then get a hundred million people vaccinated in the next hundred days from when president elect biden becomes president on january 20th and yes that is going to happen so that's my one political statement um yeah. and his his pledge is or his his wish i don't know if it's a pledge actually but i know it's a wish is to get 100 million people vaccinated within the first 100 days i think the only way that's going to take place
0: military would be
1: with military involvement has to be setting up um, you know get getting um the nurses and i know that uh, Governor DeSantis today at his news conference said that he hired a thousand more nurses to come on board uh, to be giving vaccinations. And and yes, we were off to a very rough start the first couple of weeks, but giving them the credit of the fact that uh, the vaccinations first became available just before the Christmas, Hanukkah Christmas and, and New Year's holidays, and, and that combination of really not having a national plan to follow um, you know, made it a very rough beginning. But now we're starting to see more access, a lot more access happening today, going forward this week, next week, this month, next month. You'll see a lot better results than people standing online or, or standing out in Lee County for 24 hours and then being rejected because they didn't have an appointment or, or all of these stories where we, we kept dialing and dialing and then the, the, the website kept shutting down because they got 25,000 know, people that they were able to book out of the quarter of a million people that were calling in uh, all at one time, you know, blowing up the, the websites or the phone systems of whether it's Cleveland Clinic or Broward Health or, or, or which, whoever, Jackson Memorial. Um, you know, so things are going to get a lot better, a lot faster. And the question then becomes also if Johnson & Johnson gets approved in the next 30 days, that's a single shot. So that's going to be much more adaptable to the masses. So those of you that are waiting over the next, let's say, 30 to 90 days,
0: um,
1: I think you'll see a lot more results and you'll be able to measure a lot more of how many people are actually uh, affected by this and how many side effects are taking place and how bad are they. And I heard from a friend today that said, his doctor friend was fine, his nurse friend was fine, her sister was fine, and and somebody else of the four, one of them ended up having an allergic reaction and ending up in the ER. Tomorrow, you know, there will be uh, a emergency um, uh, rescue squad available. There will be EpiPenza there at the site. They are gonna do about 500 a day. Uh, for the next uh, six days, they're gonna get 3000 people you know, uh, and, uh, vaccinated. So, um, you know, all those things may be too much of a challenge for people right now, like yourself and saying, I'm going to sit back mm-hmm. uh, and I'll try and be as cautious, uh, as cautious and as careful as possible. And, and then, uh, maybe in two months or three months or six months, I'll, I'll line up for a shot. Hopefully you won't have to be on a long line.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and as we discussed, uh, um, before the show, there's, it's such a different decision process for somebody my age, somebody your age, um, you're barely 10 years older than me. And again, for that 30 year old married couple who really looks at it and says, the truth of the matter is we have a one out of, you know we talked about this before, we have a one out of a thousand chance of even getting it. and at our age, probably a one out of a million or maybe even 5 million chance of dying from it. You know, why should I get the vaccine? And at that age, I can understand that, but it brings it back to the conversation 15 minutes ago. I'm going to respect your opinion, but please keep your mask on when you're near me. Um, It's, it's a very, you know, yeah, it's, it's a very dangerous thing. It just is. Um, And of course, When you said we're going to have more cases or this is going to be the worst month in our history, it has to be because I know just in my small universe, I don't have that many friends because I don't like that many people. Let's face it. Um, (laughs) Well, thank you, Ben. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There's very few of you. um, But I have a tremendous amount of people, you know, all kidding around aside that said, look, it's Christmas. It's Hanukkah. Uh, I got to see the kids. So people did do traveling knowing it was, you know, more people, what am I trying to say? Bottom, land the plane, Michael, like my kids say, land the plane, Dad. More people got together in the last two weeks in this country than they have probably in nine months. And that's got to so have actually, a positive effect. I mean, a positive it dates, fe- back,
1: it dates back a little bit further than that. It's like the, the triple play here. It's Thanksgiving.
0: Oh, that's that right. They're,
1: that they're in the hospital for right now dying for right now and getting positive tested right now. That's right. Um, Then it's Hanukkah. Then it's Christmas. And then it's New Year's. And then it's the traveling for Thanksgiving back and forth, the traveling for Christmas and the traveling for New Year's. You had somewhere in the range of 10 million people, I believe it was, traveling over this uh, Christmas holiday and a million, I think, yesterday were on planes. Mm-hmm. So you fast-forward that two weeks, three weeks from now, and you're going to be in the middle to the last two weeks of January, and it's going to be very bad news. It's a yes. scary time right now. If you've been careful up to now, Michael, and your, and your viewers have been careful, I know I'm not a professional telling you this. I know I'm not a medical person, but I can tell you that if you've been careful up to now and you spent the last nine months or ten months – trying to avoid it, the next month is the most crucial because there's a ton of people out there. One out of every 16 is getting positive results. Now that doesn't mean one out of, out of every, every 16 is getting sick, but there are residual, and then there's the long callers that we mentioned before. I was talking to Holly Thomas, who was a manager over at First Atlantic, which is a very good, great uh, home health care agency in Broward County. And I was just on the phone with her today. And she was talking about she's one of the they're one of the few home health care agencies that are actually transporting people that have COVID from hospitals to their home. Not every home health care agency will even accept you. Not every hospital will even accept you or treat you. That's
0: something I want to talk about when you're done.
1: I don't want to mention names, but she talked about two different major hospitals right here in Broward County. One that's not doing any treatment of any kind for COVID. Big hospital and the other one is doing all kinds of treatments, okay? And, and she also talked about her 19-year-old daughter. I asked her permission to share this. Her 19-year-old daughter finally talked her into getting a haircut like a lot of us uh, have been tempted to do and some of us have avoided. I decided to learn how to cut my own hair for the last 10 months, not doing too bad at a job. You did pretty good though, yeah. As long as you can't see the back, <laughs> the back is the toughest part. Yeah. But uh, her 19-year-old daughter went for a haircut, and try to keep herself as safe as possible and still ended up coming down with COVID. She ended up having to isolate in her home because she had two or three other kids and herself. And so she kept her in her room for two weeks. She went back for a test and was still positive, kept her in the room for another two wow. weeks. And now that was back in June. And now Holly is telling me about how she, her daughter has lost all of her sense of taste and for the last three months I believe she said two or three months you might want to interview Holly about yeah, her I think Holly's
0: and, coming I, on the show I, soon
1: as a caregiver and 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 she's playing both roles as a mother at home taking care of someone that was positive and and what their life how their life changed um, over that month that they had to isolate their one daughter um, and also even more so about her experience of visiting major hospitals, in Broward County, and what kind of responses she's getting and hearing and seeing, it only gets real for you when it happens to you. Yes, you become a believer when you're exposed, and it gets real close to you or to your family or to your friends. Um, and no, you don't have to pay taxes, okay? Unless you get audited.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so then you. Yeah.
1: If you're if you're a cheater, you're probably going to get away with it. Because 97% like of people that don't pay taxes never get caught, okay?
0: It's because they have very good Jewish accountants, but go ahead. You,
1: you, may, you may take, you may take uh, that as a joke, but I'm serious. You know, so, you're right. You know, people take an attitude just like, I don't have to buy health insurance, I don't have to buy life insurance, because I'm not sick and I don't need it. Well, you know, this is just not one of those situations for us. We can't, at least in, in our situation— We're not willing to take that risk of saying, we'll wait to see if we ever get it. We probably are not going to get it. We have a 90% chance that we're not going to get it. Um, And then we have a 90% chance that we'll survive it. If we do get it, we're not willing to take that risk. So that's a decision that each person has to make. And hopefully they'll respect uh, each other in this process. And they'll respect the folks like myself who decide to get it and don't want to be exposed to someone who is... Walking around, um, 40% of us are walking around without even realizing or knowing that we are positive Mm -hmm. COVID spreaders. And that's the super spreader events that are taking place still. The New Year's Eve parties or the beach parties, at least the beach parties are outside. They showed uh, South Beach on the news with all the young people um, and the uh, New Year's Eve parties that – I just couldn't. I couldn't relate. I don't understand how someone would be willing uh, during this high risk period to. But then again, you know, as long as I'm not exposed to them, I guess I should be willing to accept the fact that the people going there were all willing to live their life that way. And you know, it's all about tolerance of risk and and, and whether you're trying to minimize risk or not.
0: Well, you really hit it on the head when you say it becomes a, a different definition of real when it affects someone you love. I've taken it seriously. I'd say I started taking it serious late March. Mid-March, I wasn't ignoring it, but it was my children forcing me to take it seriously. And then late March, um, I took it very seriously. Um, But a a person in my life, um, sort of like you, more of a brother than a friend, That I love dearly. I'm not sure. I've mentioned his name on the show before. I'm not sure he wants the world to know he tested positive. He has a very large national client base um, in his own profession. But he knows who I'm talking about. Um, He's 70 years old. He has diabetes. That's the bad news. The good news is he is in, like you, excellent shape. Doesn't come close to looking at his age. Works the treadmill. And he tested positive. Um, Tuesday, and when he called me um, up and I said, "Hey, how you doing?" Because we speak three times a day, um, and uh, like I said, he's more brother than friend. And he said, "Well, um, I had a little bit of a fever, I had a cough." Um, he watches his granddaughter every Friday, young granddaughter. It was too. I didn't want to take a chance, uh, even though I'm breathing fine. So I went and got tested. Wednesday. Um, He was told he was positive, and uh, that's the closest person to me. I have known other people testing positive, but he's most certainly the closest person to me and my children that have tested positive. And I'll tell you, when I got off the phone, it was more real, even though I take it seriously, it was more real than ever call him at night to make sure he's breathing. Okay. You know, make sure you put the oximeter. I think that's what you call on his finger. What's your oxygen rate. Call him in the morning. How you doing? How's your voice? Um, it's all together different when it's someone you love. I guess that's true of everything. I've
1: been contacting my
0: good close travel
1: friends of many years that have been traveling the world with us every day. I both came down with it. They decided to get together with their family for Christmas out in LA they all tested negative and got together and now um eight of them um are positive and and with symptoms and and they have um they do have uh symptoms they are getting better which is good news after been eight or nine days now so so that's good news but that's pretty close uh when my brother passed away in March though um uh what hit home to me the most was not being able to attend a funeral, was not being able to properly uh, mourn, not being able to have sit shiva, not being able to be together with my family during the, the heaviest days of our emotion and our loss and, and the detachment that we felt and the attempt to do so by Zoom just didn't do it. That's and right. the attempt to do so with masks on, and you wanted to spend the last... 10 minutes or so talking about the impact of the emotion, uh, how the emotional side uh, impacts you uh, just as bad or in some cases worse. We all are going through this COVID br- burnout um, and I get it. But you know, watching my little youngest granddaughter, I've got six granddaughters and two grandsons and the youngest one did, didn't really wanna come on the driveway with a mask on 25 feet away from us to visit. It, it was worse than not. Yes. Being with us. And yeah. she was going home and crying. Um, and I was crying uh, over that disconnect of someone that's used to being in our house every weekend and interacting with us on every different level that you can imagine. Cause you, you do the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from that standpoint, I was like, yeah, I'm in a big hurry, make this go away. And um, um, if that means in my case, you know, vaccinations and let's move on it and, you know, and let's make it happen and let's support uh, the science uh, behind it. And yes, you know, I'll be signing a form tomorrow, releasing them from reliability. And that is a little bit concerning, um, even though you may be doing the same with some of your doctors right now. That's right. Prior, prior to COVID that have decided to to do away with their professional liability Uh, coverage (laughs) Uh, and so you go into his office and you're asked whether or not you're willing to sign this form that you're not going to hold him liable if he screws up or she screws up Mm -hmm. so it's not a brand new thing but yeah it it is a little concerning but again weighing measuring who you are how how you know where you stand on this issue and then looking at and that feeling that uh, draining emotional drain that takes place Uh, When you have this, some, some folks, I mean, we are extremely blessed. We're truly extremely blessed because we have, not only do we have our kids and grandchildren living in the community, but they still like us. Yeah. They still think, they still think, I didn't do this on purpose, but they still think that I'm cool enough. And here's what the cup they gave me for, you know, -hmm. (laughs) my grandpa thinks I'm awesome. Yeah. (laughs) My grandkids think I'm awesome. Um, you know, it, I can't I can't tell you, and and that is a big sharing of emotion that a lot of people are doing right now when they're giving a thumbs up when they get that shot in their arm. Um, you know, from the, from the seniors that are really yearning for that ability to get back to to uh, to be with their their loved ones. That's right. Uh, and a lot of them are separated by distance. We're not. We're we're five minutes away from Julie's home and ten minutes away from Marjorie's. So you know we're, we're, we're very anxious to get that first and second shot. Um, and, and I'll be happy to report back to you if you want to share the experience next month, actually um, in, in uh, four weeks, three or four weeks, depending on whether the shot is Pfizer, it's three weeks later. If it's Moderna, it's four weeks later. Pfizer then becomes fully, in effect, the efficacy of 95% at the end of four weeks. Um, Moderna is at the end of six weeks. It's four weeks to the second shot and then two weeks more to get full efficacy. And then the over age 65 group is a little bit lower efficacy uh, than the Pfizer. But regardless of which one it is that they're using in four to six weeks from now, we're going to be in a different place. And hopefully the, the only thing we'll get is a. A, a notice from my body saying, Hey, your immune system is working. You got a sore arm. You got a little bit of a fever. You got a little cold for 24 or 36 hours, which is what they're telling you to expect. Right. And then we'll move. On.
0: So you don't know what, which one you're getting until you actually get there. Is that the norm? No,
1: that's not the norm. We were told one, and then we were told the other. So um, the date we were given for the second shot is three weeks. And I was trying to verify then. I said, if it's three weeks, then it's not Moderna, then it's Pfizer. So we don't know. We think it's Pfizer just because the second date we've been given already, and that's three weeks out. Uh, But we were told in writing at first and on a conference call that it was Moderna. So somebody made a mistake there. Um, And I'm not sure, but regardless, we're going. But, um, you know, uh, we'll, we'll find out tomorrow in 12 hours or whatever.
0: Mm -hmm. I'd like to bring on a psychologist. You know, we've brought on some authors and some psychologists uh, to talk about what caregiving does, you know, because there's that chilling statistic of caregivers predeceasing the people they care for. Um, But there has got, you know, we, we all know there's only about six minutes left, so we're okay on time. This is our last topic. We all know that cases of depression are up. In the last nine months, mm-hmm. cases of suicide are up. Um, we are blessed, yep. you and I. My children and grandchildren are also all in the neighborhood. You know, there's so many grandparents out there, God bless them, I respect them, that only see their grandchildren a few times a year or holidays or this. And I'm not saying it hurts them less to go from three, four times a year to zero. Well, yeah, I am saying it. It hurts them less than people like us that see them three, four times a week to zero. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. You know, it's just that, I, a, I, I think
1: it's a, diff, it, it's a different, uh, they've just become more accepting of the reality that they're only going to see those kids once or twice or three times a year. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that they're hurting any less. They may be hurting even more because their fear is, yes. will I ever see them again? That's uh, true. And, and maybe they hadn't seen them in a year. And that's why they were giving in to even, even though they didn't want to give in, why they allowed them to travel or why they traveled to them over the holidays because they just couldn't deal with the with that idea. But you do have two issues, and I know we only have five minutes left. Okay. One is, what is the impact going to be on the long-term care community? Forget about insurance, but what is, the, what is the senior community, how are they going to be impacted on a long-range basis? How many more of them will become you know, uh, people that need long-term care services being provided because they survived, but their heart didn't do well, or their lungs didn't do well, or their kidneys didn't do well, and they're not getting better. Mm -hmm. I think that is one big Mm -hmm. issue. And the other one that you're addressing without my help, and that's fine, uh, and that is all the psychological needs that are gonna be taking place over the years to come from the trauma that we're all experiencing, some more than others. How about being in a one-bedroom apartment for nine months or 10 months by yes. yourself, you know, in a city that is has an outbreak.
0: No, uh, Stephen Sless, uh, who you've met via Zoom, one of my favorite people in the world, a national reverse mortgage person. He's on the show constantly right. told us about his dad living in a small apartment, doing well. Um, but being alone this last eight, nine months has brought him emotionally down. And Steven's not sure if, if he's going to make a comeback from this past nine months. What was keeping him going was people around him was the constant love the hugs um i I know a few weeks ago my older daughter called and said, "We're going with two of my four grandchildren uh, to Lowry Park Zoo and Of course, that's all outside and I said, "Well." That would be cool. And, I, and she said, you know, the zoo has like 50% capacity, and you have to wear your masks. You don't have to wear them outside, but if you go inside, you know, the tiger you know, habitat, masks are mandatory for children and everything. So I went. You know, it was about a 60-degree day, and I got to tell you, spending four hours at the zoo um, with two of my four grandchildren and, and my older daughter, that was about the best I have felt in nine months and you know i don't get down i don't sit around going oh poor me i have the same personality uh you do but just to be with them and to hold the baby and right um that god i missed that and i don't do it
1: let's finish on on a high note
0: all right how's this Ah! oh not that kind of i'm sorry i'm sorry so
1: what are the good things that are happening in 2021 um, the real estate market is, at least in a good part of America, if you're a seller of real estate, particularly of private homes, you're you're a happy person right now. If you're in the, if you're in that marketplace, particularly you know in the super luxury homes, and also in the three hundred to five hundred thousand dollar market, exactly, <laughs> you're going to be pretty happy. Um, if you're if you're out borrowing money um, in your business, people are lowest interest rates. What and how long?
0: 30 years, we're in the twos. I'm giving fixed rate years. people in the twos. Years. That's mbanner That's at pmanow.com, mbanner at pmanow.com, lowest fixed rates in fact, 30 and years. The,
1: and the fact that we have, regardless of when you're going to take it or if you're going to take it, the fact that we do have vaccinations that are working right now, two already going and two to three more possibly in the next 60 to 90 days that'll be available in America, our lives should change dramatically over the next six months. Yes. And those things are all very positive. And I hope that we'll be able to come back and talk about things on a, on a much different level sooner than later, and, and 2021 being a great change for all of us. And I do appreciate you having me on today to share stories and opinions and i hope that i didn't insult anybody in the process i'm not telling anybody what, what to, do yeah,
0: or how to do or to yeah, absolutely
1: uh-huh. but but i just i do i do um appreciate being here tonight
0: well i always appreciate you being here i appreciate talking to you being with my god i haven't given you a hug in nine months what has it been what 12 years since we haven't seen <laughs> each other You know, in nine months, it really and truly and spending time with you and your unbelievable family is one of my joys in life. Um, Well, we are starting out 2021 um, in a great way. Um, We got to have a healing year. And I mean healing, not just with COVID-19, but on a social level, a political level, it's time for a little healing and a little warmth in this country. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. Let's just do a a little more caring about people. I think we did rise to the occasion. A lot of people that I know that don't like wearing masks wear them anyway. They grumble. But, the, you know, I think America came through this one uh, better than most would have thought. A um, lot, a lot of... Uh, People put others before themselves. Uh, Thank you for being here. It's going to be a great few months. We have some fantastic guests coming. Everybody have a happy and healthy new year. Bye.